0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Timothy. Today is episode 684, and we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. Let's read the passage. But you, man of God, flee from these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all, and of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in His own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings the Lord of Lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus to deal with the problem of false teachers. These teachers seem to be somewhat Jewish in nature, since he says they want to be teachers of the law. And he says that they're caught up in myths and endless genealogies, speculation. They seem to be caught up in some Old Testament stories, in fact, they're making up stories. And Timothy's challenge is to deal with this. And so he's got to have good leadership in the church to help him deal with it. So Paul laid out the qualifications for overseers and deacons. And Paul's talked about how to deal with various groups within the church and even how to deal with Elders who've gone astray and how to discipline them. Now he's given this closing challenge to Timothy. And as I said last time, there's a big parallel in chapter 6 to chapter 1. So the section we're looking at today, chapter 6 verses 11 to 16, are pretty much parallel to chapter 1 verses 11 to 17. In chapter 1, Paul talked about his own calling. Now in chapter 6, he's talking about Timothy's calling, Timothy's assignment. And in both of them, he makes reference to Jesus. Chapter 1, the role of Jesus. And here in chapter 6, the example of Jesus. And then both those passages end with a doxology of praise to the Lord. So verse 11, he says, But you, men of God, well, but you, so this is a contrast. Because in the last section, he was talking about the false teachers and their problems, all the things they were doing wrong. Verse 3, he said, If anyone teaches false doctrine does not agree with the sound teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching of the pros of godliness, he conceded understands nothing. And then he talked about some of the, the problems that they're aligned with. And now the contrast. But you, Timothy... He doesn't say, but you, Timothy, he says, but you, man of God. This is interesting. Man of God is an Old Testament phrase, and it's used dozens of times to describe the various servants of God. Moses is called the man of God. In Joshua, an angel appears and tells somebody something, and she runs and tells her husband, a man of God came. And so we see again and again and again the title man of God to speak of prophets or priests or men who are servants of God. And so Paul uses that description to describe Timothy because he is on a mission from God. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So flee from these things. All that stuff he was just talking about that the other guys are caught up in. He said they're caught up in disputes and arguments over words, envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, constant disagreement, and that they imagine godliness as a way to material gain. So he says you flee from these things, not just abstain from them, flee from them, and instead Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Now, each of these words has a definition of meaning, but there's so much overlap that he's just basically saying, live a godly life. Make righteousness your pursuit. Desire to know God. Don't try to figure out where the line is so you're not crossing the line, but get as close to God as you can. And if that's your motivation, you don't have to worry about rules and lines because you're trying to stay as close to God. When we pick lines and boundaries, we're saying, how far can I get from God and still be okay? But instead, see how close you can get to God. Verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. That's very similar to what he said back in chapter 1. Verse 18, he said, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the good fight. So fight the good fight is basically do what I've called you to do. There's going to be some conflict. You're going to have to go toe-to-toe with these false teachers and be in conflict with them. But you can do it because God's equipped you to do it. And you have the truth on your side. So fight the good fight. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So how's he going to fight the good fight? Well, because he's saved, because he is filled with the Holy Spirit, because he has a relationship with Christ, because he is full of the truth. So take hold of that eternal life, to which you were called. And about what you made a good confession, the presence of many witnesses, there's a lot of debate about what does that mean? What does he mean you made a good confession about this eternal life in the presence of many witnesses? It could be referring to his salvation experience. When he first proclaimed faith in Jesus Christ. Could be talking about his baptism when he confessed his faith. It could be talking about his ordination where hands were laid upon him and he was called to ministry. We don't know exactly what he's referring to here, but Timothy get the, the drift. And, and Paul's just saying, basically, there, there's a point where you made a good confession. That means you proclaimed your faith in Christ, your allegiance to Christ. That was a good confession. It was in the presence of any witnesses. Then another restating of his charge here in verse 13. In the presence of God, who gives life to all, and of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, a lot going on here. So he's charging him in the presence of God and the presence of Christ Jesus to keep the command. So here's the charge. Do this. God is my witness. You must do this. And the way he describes God, God is the one who gives life to all. God is the one who provides salvation. Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. Now, verse 12, he mentioned that Timothy gave a good confession about his faith to witnesses. And then in verse 13, Christ Jesus gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. Well, what's his reference there? Well, you're following Christ's example by giving a good confession. What's he referring to there, the good confession before Pontius Pilate? Normally we say, okay, he kept his mouth shut before Pontius Pilate. He said a few things, not a lot. He didn't respond to the accusations of the Jewish leaders. But there's a couple things he said to to Pilate. One of them, when Pilate asked him up front, "Are you the King of the Jews?" Jesus basically said, "It is as you say." In fact, that's what he was executed over was his claim to be a king. In fact, that's the sign that was put at the top of the cross, "The King of the Jews." Or good confession doesn't have to be verbal. Could just be his faithful suffering and death on a cross, or the good confession for Pontius Pilate. So Timothy made a good confession, Christ made a good confession. And in the presence of God, the presence of Christ Jesus, I charge you to keep this command. What's he mean, keep this command? Well, it's hard to say exactly whether he's talking about something right here. I think best to understand that he's really pointing back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, the the very beginning, uh, verses 3 through 5, where he says, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine, or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. these promote empty speculation rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. I think that's the the opening command, the opening. This this is why you're there in Ephesus. And I think that's the best to understand is the command. Keep this command. That's what you're here to do. Deal with these false teachers, but do it from the basis of the truth of the gospel. I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Timothy's there in Ephesus until Christ returns. Well, until otherwise directed or Christ returns. In verse 15, God will bring this about in his own time. He's the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. So, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, when Christ returns, when's that going to happen? When God is ready for it to happen. God will bring this about in his own time. Then he has this doxology about God. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. So his final praise to God. He's the one who's brought this assignment about. He's the one who we're defending. He's the one that we are aligned with. And he is the one powerful enough to make all this happen. Yes, to bring about the return of Christ. But in the meantime, do things like empower Timothy to deal with the false teachers. So he laid out the problems with the false teachers. And now the challenge here to Timothy is don't be like that. Instead, cling to righteousness. Cling to godliness. Cling to endurance, faith, love, and gentleness. And through that, you will be equipped by the Lord to deal with these false teachers and keep doing it either until Christ returns or I direct you somewhere else. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First Timothy.